Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast. I'm Kev and I've got two regular members of the gang back with me. I've got Trust Chairman Tony Murray and James Cunliffe. As always, chaps, I hope you're well. Very well, mate. We're good, we're good, yeah. Yeah. Excellent stuff. Uh, We are going to discuss in this episode what we've seen so far since the restart. We'll focus on three players that we think have stood out in those seven matches there's just a slight little relegation battle that's going on and and um <laughs> we'll, we'll discuss that in in general obviously one team that's going to be majorly impacted is Wigan we'll discuss what's gone on with them go through a few previous great escapes just to revoke some good memories look ahead to the last two games of the season and then I'm going to challenge the two chaps to give me their player of the season We'll start off then with the seven games that we've seen so far. Uh, James, before we actually get into the games themselves, you've been to some of these matches. Mm-hmm. You've wrote a column on your website after the first one about how weird and different and not great it was. Yeah. Is it a bit more normal now that you've been to two or three? No, it's still shite. <laughs> I'm not going to mince my words around it. It's not. There's football happening, but it's not football. Uh, and to summarise a little bit of what I said in that article, like I know that some people love everything about the game, um, and for the, for that for them that's enough. You know the fact that a football match is taking place, and I wish that was me. But I love football for the whole experience, and loads of that is to do with uh, the anticipation beforehand, and when you get there, speaking to your mates beforehand. Uh, speaking to other people, maybe sometimes you speak to opposition fans and, and stuff, and then you get there and the, the ground fills up, the crowd are there, the noise gets louder. And even in a, if there's a terrible game of football, which in so many cases, it is a terrible game of football. You're not always going to have the best game in the world. Uh, the crowd can make up for that. Little things that can happen during the course of the game, not on the pitch, can make up for that. Um, whether that's something funny or you're just having a, a vent or a moan at somebody, or I mean, you're just waiting for that golden moment where something does happen. But I don't know if I could put a percentage figure on 80, 85% of the time, football should be boring. <laughs> but you are waiting for that, that moment. Uh, that's why everyone goes bananas when a goal scores, but a goal is scored because that's what you're there for. So I, I'm kind of jealous of the people that can appreciate just football for football's sake, but um, it's 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 not for me. I mean, they're doing they've done the, the best job they possibly can under the circumstances. So there's no way a, a gripe about um, the football clubs there, but football without fans is nothing. And um, you could just as well be watching a, a Sunday league game down the park uh, at the end of the day because it, it just doesn't feel right. And you can see it from players. Um, you know, they're celebrating and their first instinct is to do what they always do, run to the corner flag or celebrate in front of the um, of the fans. And then it ends up like uh, some sort of 1930s version of a celebration where they just sort of shake each other's hands, go back to <laughs> kick the game off again. It's just... It's utterly bizarre, and um, the quicker that we can get back to normal and have fans in, the better, because 
it doesn't half take the excitement out of it. Tony, we've been uh, reduced to I follow uh, for seven games. How have you found it? How how much different has it been for you? Uh, <laughs> very different, um, and I can't help but echo everything James has said there. Um, certainly, as a as, as a side, I think we're missing the home support. Uh, watching it on iFollow is is really weird. Um, especially, you know, you, you get your phone go ding, and you know something's happened, and you sort of like, uh, you know, I, I want to look, I want to look, but if I look, it'll ruin it, you know. And and then because uh, I've I've watched a, a few games around my sisters. And uh, it will go ding, and I'm, and I'm not going to look at my phone. She's looked at hers, and then she's looked at me with a big grin on her face. And I think oh, we've scored. Okay, so, so then when we score on iFollow, usually about eight minutes later, um, <laughs> you, you, you're then uh, sort of like sitting there, oh, great, we scored. Yeah, you know, and it, 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 it's not the same. I mean, I, I, I find it. Um, ridiculous as well the, you know when you get the crowd noises there as well now I appreciate um they're trying to make it as as um realistic as possible for the players but i think i still think it's a bit strange on top of that artificial um game that they're in at the moment and it it, it, it you know you you sometimes think well these, these results are going this way these results are going that way um, would they be different if everybody was there? Do you know what I mean? I mean, certainly think the result with Leeds would have been. Um, but and yeah, and you, you know, you, it, it it just isn't the same. With, with I mean, it, it's good that the fact that now football might wake up um, and realise just how important supporters are to the game. Um, the supporters are the lifeblood of the game, and and uh, they've got to take that into account. But. Uh, you know, I, I, I can tolerate um, an away game and, and and not being there and listening to it on iPhone or whatever, but at the moment, it's just, no. Nah. No, definitely not. Not for me. It's funny because conversely, I I have watched uh, I watched the Swansea game on iFollow because I just didn't feel comfortable about me going to report on a football match, being allowed into Wales who have stricter um, sanctions and, and rules and lockdown than England did at the time. I didn't feel comfortable going in there and just for just for my ability to go and watch a football match. It felt odd, so I made the conscious decision not to go and I watched it on iFollow. And I actually, I would actually prefer to watch the games on iFollow or on any TV because you don't really lose the experience. Mm. At a game where there's no fans, it's it's not right. It doesn't feel right. But on TV, although occasionally you can see a shot of a stand that doesn't have fans in, you're primarily there to watch the game, and you can get the the commentary as well, which you're obviously not getting at a, when you're at the ground. So it hasn't that doesn't really change as much the the experience of watching it on TV. It, it's not as big a jump into the realms of weirdness. You're just watching a game of football on TV, so it's kind of a weird one that I'm quite comfortable with watching it on iFollow, but not at the game, mm. not at for the ground. For me, there's actually one big positive that's come out of it, actually, James, and that is now that uh, the majority of players in the Football League, I suppose in the Premiership as well, uh, now know what it'll be like to turn out 
every week for MK Dons. So hopefully <laughs> next season they'll have trouble attracting players because players won't want to go through that again. <laughs> Those obviously who have been restricted to iFollow and happen to watch the Huddersfield game on iFollow rather than on Sky will at least have been treated to some fantastic co-commentary from JJ O'Donnell who we had on and they're the Norwich City special podcast recently where he absolutely rinsed the Huddersfield substitute that came on with the stupid hair. Uh, spent about 20 minutes basically slagging him off and it was just fantastic to listen to, particularly as it was him who messed up for our second goal. And let's talk about some games. James, we'll go with you with the first one because I know you was at it. Um, you spoke about Sunday League Football Standard and we delivered a beautifully Sunday League Football Standard performance in that game. Save for a special strike by Callum McManaman that came absolutely out of nowhere. Yeah, absolutely. It, it came so out of nowhere that I didn't see it in real time. <laughs> because there's the 85 minutes before that was such an appalling example of football, which probably has contributed to me thinking that games behind closed doors are one of the worst football punishments you could possibly get. Um, that... At that stage, I was like, well, there's no chance of Luton getting back into this. I'll write the intro for the match report. <laughs> and because in football, if something happens, the nearer you get to the goal, the crowd make a noise, I'd look up. Didn't see it. He scored a goal. The next, the only thing I heard was Gary Sweet and David Wilkinson jumping out their chairs going, yeah! <laughs> that's sort of the only applause and, and, and cheers I could hear. And then Callum McManaman's running around the pitch, wondering where the fans are. He can celebrate this. And afterwards, he, you know, I spoke to him, and he, he said if it, it didn't feel right, it felt weird because he didn't know what to do. Um, so yeah, utterly forgettable. Um, it was all. It was kind of always going to be like that. Was it? Been away for what ten weeks, not playing any competitive football. Um, it, it was. It was kind of worse standard than the preseason, really. But. Um, Somehow they got a point and uh, it, it started off a, a, a good run, didn't it? It absolutely did, yeah. And uh, Tony, we went on to um, Swansea the following Saturday, put in probably the best performance of the seven so far, um, certainly in terms of the fact that they never really looked like scoring Swansea for a side that have scored quite freely since then. I know Spluga made a great save in the second half. But once we once we went ahead, we were fairly comfortable. However, we should mention one thing from that game, and that is the, what would you call it, melee handbags, but the ridiculous pogo stick bouncing of Glenn Ray as that fight was taking place was just comedy gold. Mm, it was it was very funny. It was entertaining, the game. I mean, when, when you think that, um, in all honesty, we, we were hoping to just somehow scrape a point in that game, weren't we? But to go there and... Um, to win in the in the style that we did, um, but we looked like we were well up for it right from the start of the game, and we dug in and um, we scored a good goal, um, and we battled all the way through it. And uh, it was three very welcome points, and it definitely showed us that um, yeah, we we could do this, and you know the players weren't giving up and they were fighting, and I think that's what most of us wanted to see was a bit of bottle and a bit of fight from the team, which they showed they had then. Um, and uh, I, I, it was a, a great, great surprise and, and, and gave us a lot of pride with that performance that they put in there. Um, took their chance well. 
uh, and you know restricted Swansea uh, and the the handbags affair I think just showed you just uh, how frustrated the Swansea players were getting and I mean the thing with that as well that I couldn't believe was at the end of it all he gave a free kick to Swansea <laughs> yeah. That was just madness, wasn't it? I just, I just not the best of referees that day, you know. And, and um, yeah, to 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 go to that side that to very recently were a Premier League side, and um, you know, dig in, and they're chasing the playoffs as well. Um, tremendous result, tremendous result. And speaking of tremendous results, James, they, that kind of set up a free hit at Elland Road, if such a thing. Uh, is a, is around during a relegation battle. I think most people would have taken four points from those three get those first three games, but we picked another point up on the um, collection. There's all there's been a lot of discussion, hasn't there, since Nathan came back in that this points total that he will not disclose. It's all about totting them up. Um, highlight of that night, very much Harry Cornick's wonder goal. Yeah, absolutely, and it came kind of out of the blue as well because Luton were getting battered. Um, it kind of felt like if. Uh, when, not if, Leeds would score. And then, yeah, a wonderful through ball. And considering he's missed a few chances in this um, series of games since the restart, that was a wonderful finish. It kind of felt, I mean, it even looked in real time like he didn't spend too much time thinking about it. He just got the ball, looked up and had a go. Whereas I think maybe sometimes he can be guilty of overthinking it and not knowing really what to do and getting caught in two minds. Um, it was a wonderful finish. And uh, and then it obviously gives them, gives them something to hold on to. Um, I, I mean, I was still of a mind at the time that I thought once Leeds equalised, they would go on to win it. So it's all credit to the, the side that dug in and, and kept them to very little. They were really frustrated. Um, and their fans are really frustrated afterwards. It's the same old usual stuff that you get from a big team about, oh, it must be nice watching um, that every week. Why do you even come just to park the bus and stuff? And it's like, well, it's because you, you, you're paying players like 40 grand a week. And uh, and that probably is some total of Luton's weekly budget. I don't know. Uh, you can't go toe-to-toe with a team like that. They, they should be in the Premier League. should have been in the Premier League last season, but they bottled it last knock-ins, didn't they? So they will be a Premier League um, side next year. And uh, and it showed they were... It showed at Kenilworth Road as well. They were fantastic. and um, I mean, Luke, Luke should have got something for that, really. Uh, but uh, it, it, was a, it was a wonderful result. And from that, you're thinking five points from the first three games. That um, it really could be quite comfortable. Uh, obviously, it's not because they've got to, they've got to win the last two games to stand a chance. But I mean, there's like, there's a case to say, really, isn't there? That you can only look back on these things with hindsight. But you probably would have taken less points against those three teams that um, didn't really affect Luton's season, and rather would have picked them up against Barnsley and. And harder, well, you did get in the hardest field, but the teams around you, um, the, the teams lower there. So, um, yeah, it was great at the time. Uh, obviously, it absolutely did looting in for the next game. Yeah, well, we came crashing down to earth in the next game, Tony, didn't we? I mean, to be fair to the players, they put in three serious shifts. Um, 
three amazing efforts and it just caught up with us when Reading came to town. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't know what you're talking about, Kevin. My mind has gone blank. <laughs> I wish mine had. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Um, I, I, do you know, that had to be one of the worst performances I think I've, I've seen. I mean, luckily enough, I, I didn't go to the Brentford away game, but uh, that, I just thought, was just abysmal and appalling. And uh, but when you when you look at it in in hindsight, yeah, you you could say that they put in quite a um, two really hard shifts before that. But at the end of the day, it's the same for both teams. We're all playing so many games in such a short space of time, um, and it, it just looks so easy for for Reading. Uh, I think our back line every time was fast asleep. I think. You know, I, I, I don't think um, Reading particularly beat us. I, I, I think we, we basically gave them the game. And I don't think Reading will have had an easier game this season, to be honest than that. It was like a training game for them. You know, yeah. you know I, I, I just thought um, our lot were... They just, they just weren't at the races at all. But the thing is, if, if, you, if you look at it this way, I mean, if you switch the results around, you know, you, if we'd got beaten 5 nil at Swansea and then beaten Reading 1 nil at home, we'd all have been happy, wouldn't we? You know, um, so it is what it is. And, and it, it, you know, it, nothing's going to run smoothly for us or run perfectly for us, even with this, this uh, running. You, you know Luton of old, you know it, it, they're never going to take the easy route, are they? No, that's it. I mean, um, Reading had Pele and Pushkas in their side that night, didn't they? And they could have had the real Pele and Pushkas and probably still would have beaten us. Such was our performance. <laughs> James, you've you've made a thing of the absence of crowd at home and it really played its part in the following game, didn't it? At home to Barnsley. Because I don't think Luton would have been allowed to play the way we did in terms of sitting back when we went 1-0 up if there was a crowd there or if we... If we were getting into that, the crowd would have urged everyone forward, wouldn't they, under the floodlights on a Tuesday night? That was a, that was that was another disappointing sort of. You knew it was coming, but I guess in hindsight, thankfully, the equaliser came late enough that there wasn't a winner that followed it. Yeah, but I mean, you look at the first half as well. Barnsley absolutely battered it. Um, if they, you know, if they had a person that could stick the ball in the net regularly, they'd probably be a lot better off than they are. But. Um, I mean, to be fair to Barnsley, they've done exactly the same to Leeds tonight as well. Thankfully, again, they've not got someone who can put the ball in the back of the net. But it's just a trend, isn't it, in these home games? Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I put too much stock in in the past into that twelfth the twelfth man thing. Um, but. It's clearly true. Clearly, it, that, that's a thing. It's it's not only been proven in Luton games. It, it was a thing in the Bundesliga when that started up before the English football. Um, it's not as intimidating to go to an away ground anymore, and that was the that is the main um, uh, plus point of Kenilworth Road is that particularly on Tuesday night under the lights. There's not many at- atmospheres uh, that I've experienced. Before that, um, are better than those those games and those days when it, when there's something on the line and it's tight and uh, you need to get a result. And the noise levels, it's um, you know it, it must spur the players on to to do better. Uh, 
it, it was just so so disappointing because if they had not conceded that, I mean, firstly the the players and and Nathan Jones didn't believe it was a, a corner in, in the first place, and it was, yeah. <laughs> but then you got to defend it, and yeah, and it was just just the worst kind of scrappy sort of goal to give away. But then you still have a chance to win it, and you know that. The, the one that that one that Harry Connick has missed is is such a poor effort because he does nothing and he's done that before where he's he's not fainted to go one way or the other he's just run straight at the goalie and hit it and the goalie's come off better and it's you know if if things don't go the right way in the next two games those you know, massive massive moments you're going to look back on that three points against Barnsley and Luton's situation right now is a hell of a lot more comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think I said at the time uh, he, he had all the time in the world to go around the goalkeeper that night, but hey, it's easy for me sat in what is becoming a rather deep ass dent in my sofa watching and watching it on telly rather than sprinting through at 15 mile an hour or whatever and making a decision when you know full well if you don't score, it's going to have huge consequences. I think, Tony, it's fair to say that after that Barnsley game, I know I speak for James because we've spoken about this, most people thought that was it, the game was up. But we gave ourselves a real lifeline in front of the cameras um, at Huddersfield. Yes, Huddersfield were poor, but I'm not interested in that. More interested in the fact that Sonny Bradley seems to have a fantastic record on Sky. All three goals have come on Sky. And Elliot Lee, we're going to come on to him um, in more detail in a little while, as I said at the start. But um, he found the back of the net, which who knows, that might be big going forward, having a striker in conf- with confidence. Mm. I mean, the, the thing is, if you looked at the chance that Harry Cornick missed at Barnsley, you'd have thought, you know, if it had been somebody like Elliot Lee, Elliot Lee's a natural striker and a, a natural goal scorer, he'd have had the instinct, he'd have gone round the keeper or indeed dinked it over him. Um, and, I, I, you know, I, I know we're going to talk about Lee in in a little while, but the, the, the performance at Huddersfield was, was so much better. Um, and it was a must win. We had to win that game. And we did it in, in you know, in, in good style. I, I don't think we ever looked uncomfortable in that game. I don't think Huddersfield were any threat to us at all. We were so um, defensively competent and, you know, dealt with everything. Yeah, we got a, a couple of um, lucky lucky breaks. Um, and uh, it was a great finish by Elliot Lee. Um, so that, that, that really put us back in the mix. Um, again, you know, putting us on the front foot and needing us to, to follow it up with another good result in the following game. So, um, no, I, I, the away form, you can't knock that at all. Um, they've done really well, um, considering what our away form was like earlier in the season when we had that long run of games where we couldn't get an away point, let alone a win. Um so I, I think that's one of the things that Nathan has done is, is, is basically tightened us up and made us more of a unit. And the players definitely seem to want to play for him. So uh, he's not getting everything perfect or everything, you know, spot on. But I think overall, I, I, I think we've, we've got to be reasonably happy with, with the return we're getting. Yeah, um, he actually admitted himself, didn't he, James, on Tuesday that he got it wrong with um, leaving his substitutions too late uh, mm. against QPR. 
another game that we took the lead, deservedly took the lead, uh, James Collins actually did well to score that penalty because I don't know if anyone else thought this, but I had that Sheffield Wednesday penalty going through my mind for what seemed like an eternity that he was standing over the ball while the goalkeeper was pissing about, not getting nothing, no punishment, even though it must have been two minutes between decision being given and him finally going on his goal line. So that that was good credit for Collins. Uh, should have been 2-0 when Elliot Lee just missed out of the back stick. But then from there on, really, it was yet again another case of when are we going to concede the equaliser, aren't it? Yeah, I mean, Bright Asayi Samuels was having the, the run of the park down the left flank. He, well, you saw, if only you saw the highlights, you saw what he did. Um, he absolutely roasted Cameron Carter Vickers, who's been absolutely fantastic since this restart. He went past him like he wasn't there to get to the byline and pull it back. Um, I mean, even then, you're sort of thinking there's four players on the goal line. Could they make better? Fister trying to block that from from Dominic Ball, uh, but they'd been so dominant in that second half that again I thought, well, the floodgates will open now and um, that they'll lose this one. So, to a certain degree, you've got to give him some credit. And yeah, Nathan said he made the changes at the wrong time. He was, I don't know if it showed up when I followed, but while I was at the ground, so seeing he'd called Martin Craney to come over just before that break for the goal, for the equaliser. So he was looking to make some changes then. But when he did make the changes, it made a bit, it made a, a lot of difference and they were going forward a lot more. Um, again, Harry Cornett gets through. It's not clear, as clear-cut a chance as the, the Barnsley one. But if he had a left foot, it would have been. <laughs> he wrapped his left foot around it. Um, you know, Potts' header is not, that's not a foul for me. It's soft as anything. Um, and then, you know, Potts has a great chance at the end. And I think you've got to give credit to goalkeeper for that one. It's a really great top save. Somebody said put his laces through it. But, uh, you know, he's in the defence. stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, but it was, you know, it is a chance. And they had their moments to to win it. But then Reading did, didn't they? That Simon Sluger. Um, dropping the ball because Pelly got in his way and then Pelly nearly poking it in somehow flew the poked it around the around the around the post for a corner and um I thought for all the world while watching it live that that was in that mm. uh, so you know maybe the a draw is the right result there but it's like a massive mischance um not to come away with more. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you say, he also made a save in injury time, didn't he, Sluger, from chair, I think it was, um, which, which was a good save as well. So overall then, two wins, four draws and a defeat from the seven games. Um, got to be positive about that, I think, haven't we? Ten points from the seven games. More importantly, we've closed the gap from effectively seven to effectively three points. Mm, it's, still, it's still in our hands, Kev. It's still in our hands, but we need we need two wins now. We need two wins. I mean, the other teams have got harder running than us, you know, in their last two games. But I know you, you can't count on that. It, 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 you know, football has a habit of turning around and kicking you right where it hurts. So, um... Well, the one thing that we can say is, I mean, results so far really have gone our way, haven't they? Um, the Birmingham equaliser on Wednesday, Barnsley losing 
I say tonight, we're recording this on Thursday, even though the podcast is coming out uh, later than that. Um, and also the weekend results went absolutely swimmingly. So um, the main thing is over the seven games, we're still fighting. Let's move on to some player focuses then. And we'll start with Cameron Carter-Vickers, who James has just mentioned has been a revelation since the restart. He was a revelation prior to the restart as well. I've written a column on your website, James, as you know, uh, about uh, how big a loan signing this is. Um, mm-hmm. If if we stay up, in my eyes, he's the best loan signing Luton Town have ever made. But what are your impressions of him? Just the overall picture, really. At, his play and the inspiration he's clearly given everyone else around him. You can tell he's come from Premier League stock, I think, because he's got a, a presence about him. Um, and it's, it's a, it's a calming presence, I think, which is what you need. Um, you know, all, all credit to Sammy Bradley and, and Matty Pearson for what they've done for the club, but you don't s- you don't see, or I can't see Cameron Carter-Vickers making the same sort of mistake that Matty Pearson did for um, the Reading goal, where he's got all the all the space in the known universe to clear it into, and he <laughs> passes it straight to Mighty. Mm. Um, you, you just don't, I just don't, I can't envisage Carter-Vickers doing something like that. Yes, he got roasted on um, uh, on Tuesday by uh, Osai Samuels by Reading. Of Reading, um, but you know he's lightning quick. You know, if maybe if he had a bit of there's two there's two actions in that particular game, just to in that particular goal, I think that where James Bree admitted he should have taken Eze out as they broke when when he um, got caught out of position, and arguably Cameron Carter Vickers probably could have taken one for the team then and just took taken uh, Sai Samuels out. I mean, you're not supposed to say that, are you? But Teams do that all the time, but there's, there's maybe that sort of slight uh, fair play aspect to it, where you want Luton to be a bit more nitty gritty, uh, you know, get points by hook or by crook. I just wonder if he didn't take him out, Carter, because if he didn't take him out, because he has full faith in his ability, and he thought he'd, you know, he'd stay with him and see him out sort of thing and I don't mind the confidence but obviously when it ends up in the back of the net everyone's like why don't you take him out sort of thing yeah I mean it is a hindsight thing um, yeah because that, that is probably what's going through his head he's played so well uh, it, since the restart and for, for the period that he was in the team before the restart um, that it really has given Luton that ability to almost sit back and see how the game pans out for the first half and not be too concerned. I mean, you could probably point to the Leeds game, really, when Leeds had so much of the ball and he was imperious in the, in the centre of that defence, um, repelling everything that they came up with. So, you know, if it's the, the thing about a good defender like that, it's not just what he does when the ball is near him. It's what he can inspire his defensive teammates to do, um, and you know, if, if you you know, the Reading one is an anomaly, the five goals because, well, as I just said, mostly Luke gifted it to him, uh, gifted most of them to him, but they've been so much more solid and so 
you, you fear less when the ball goes near the defence when he's been in the team. And it's a credit to him. Um, you know, hopefully he can inspire a couple of clean sheets in the next two games. And then I'd really like to see whether Luton can keep hold of him for another season. Mm. Yeah, you and me both. He's quality. Yeah, he really is. I mean, he won't be there if Luton go to League One, let's be honest. No. no. So, um, if he's there next season, then it's good for Luton. <laughs> yeah, absolutely it is. Uh, Tony, <laughs> someone um, said to me that um, he's the best reader of a game at centre-half since Mal Donaghy. And, and every time you listen to Simon's commentary on iFollow, you know, invariably it's oh, Carter Vickers is there to head away, Carter Vickers is there to control, Carter Vickers is there to... You know, it, yeah. it's it's like a monotonous thing. He's like a machine, isn't he? I mean, do you see it? Do you see him as a, a reader of the game in that kind of mould? Oh, de- definitely. I mean, he, he, you know, he 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 knows where the danger is coming from. He knows where the ball's going. His positioning is excellent. He's good in the air. And uh, look at the number of tackles and interceptions he's made, you know, uh, last gap. In, um, it, it, he's just great. He's, he's a class act. He's, he's made no difference to our defence. And um, it's just a question, really, of who partners him. Because uh, I think whether it's Bradley or Pearson, apart from, like we said, the Reading game, um, I, I think he's actually improved their game as well. You know, I, I think Bradley and Pearson, as I said, they both seem more confident when uh, Carter Vickers is alongside them. And uh, yeah. I, 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 I think he, he's been a great signing. And I'm like uh, James, I, I hope we can hold on to him next year. I really do. Yeah, it would be... Um... It would be fantastic to uh, have him next season. I must say that the Swansea and Leeds games in particular were as good as an individual defensive performance. I, I, I just wish we had him earlier in the season. Mm. I think that's yeah. the thing, isn't it? Every, it, is, it really is one of those what-ifs, isn't it, if we had him. And, and the funny thing is, um, you know, if, if you read um, the Oatcake, which is the Stoke City uh, fan site, because he was on loan at Stoke City before, and they don't rate him at all. Don't rate him at all. I think Nathan played him at right back there, didn't he? And um, clearly, he's not that. Clearly, he's a uh, centre half and a very, very good one at that too. Another player who may may not be here next season, given his contract situation, is Elliot Lee. James, I think it's fair to say the last time we'd done a podcast, he was on his way out of the door. But Nathan's came back, uh, given him a chance. He made his not second debut, but his return at Swansea wide on the left, which is where he's played all of his games, actually. Um, made a really good impression that day. Uh, scored at Huddersfield. What have you made of him since the restart? Uh, it, well, only good things, really. I mean, when he's been given a full run in the team and a, a decent run, he he's an asset. He's a threat. He he, he sees himself, actually, now as a, as a 10 I think that he sees that he's made the transformation. But everything that Tony said earlier about if you stick Lee in place of Cornick for any of those chances recently he scores, you can't disagree because he's a, he's a goal scorer. And he knows... You, you only have to look at the goal he scored against uh, Huddersfield to see that because 
I'm convinced that the Huddersfield goalkeeper does not move because he takes that shot early with so little back lift and the keeper's not expecting it. Um, and that's the sort of man that just knows that if he hits the ball, it's going to go near the goal. Uh, it makes such a big difference. But he, he also has that ability to drop deep and and create things. And, you know, Luton need it if, you know... You can't rely on Izzy Brown all the time. He's clearly not in the team at the moment. He's got an injury. Whether he comes back or not, I don't know. Um, and he's, he's that sort of diminutive player that can, you know, a little a little twist or a little turn here can create a little bit of space and then he can pick a pass. So um, it's really welcome to see him back. I'm still none the wiser as to why uh, Graham Jones throws him out, even though, you know, I spoke to him um, and he, he was quite honest about it said he, he didn't trust uh, Graham Jones and Graham Jones clearly didn't trust him and they've obviously had a falling out I don't know what it's about um, but it just shows what uh, you know a manager putting an arm around a player and telling him what he's good at can do for a player's confidence because um, he, he said himself he thought his, his Luton career was over and I did too not because he, I don't think he was a good player. He just wasn't given a sniff. But there's been a couple of players like that. Um, Jacob Butterfield. Mm-hmm. What's happened to Jacob Butterfield? Um, so, yeah. Who knows? I mean, he insinuated that the the dressing room wasn't a, a, as good a place as before. And it is now. It's back to that. Danny Hilton said the same thing in interviews. No, on one hand, you could say, well, of course they're going to say that because they're not playing. Um, but they both, you know, profess their love for the club. So you, you can you, you can see that perhaps it wasn't, and maybe that's why, coupled with results that weren't going well, and you know the odd absolute hammering <laughs> Brentford. Um, yeah, maybe it wasn't. You know, don't forget this is a team full of winners. Basically, they're a team that did so well in League One, League Two. They're used to winning, so. You're not going to be as happy out here getting getting beaten most of the time. Um, but yeah, I'm glad he's back uh, because who knows how vital some of his um, performances and goals, his goals, sorry, could be uh, at the end of it. You need any anyone and everyone that knows where the the net is at, at this stage, and it's a shrewd move from from Nathan Jones. Yeah, um, it certainly seems that way. Um, I must admit, I don't really take an awful lot of notice about what the dressing room's like from players that weren't playing. Um, I, I wouldn't expect anything different, to be fair to them. Um, but what caught my eye, actually, this week, Tony, was James Bree also mentioned the job that Nathan Jones has done. Now, he was someone who was playing under Graham Jones, so I think his comments carry a little bit more merit, much more merit, actually. And we're going to focus on him now. Interestingly, under Nathan Jones... In that right back role, there's shades of Jack Stacey about this guy. Not he's not there yet. I think it's fair to say. But if he was if it was here next season, for example, you could see that you could see him developing into that player. Hmm. It, it, it was quite interesting if you saw the interview with um, with James Bree, uh, what he said about Nathan because Nathan said it himself. He he had a few um, words with him. Uh, basically heart to heart and told him a few home truths and and Bree was big enough to turn around and say well yeah I needed it 
So it does make you think that perhaps uh, players weren't being given that uh, previously. Um, and Bree now, and similar to Elliot Lee and uh, Luke Berry um, back in the side, and, and all three of them look up for it, look up for the fight and, and you know, want to, uh, want to keep us in that division. I'm not saying that the other players don't, but they uh, are coming in, they're battling. Um, you know, if you look at James Bree, he, he, he's not only getting forward. Yes, he does look good going forward, um, but he's actually getting back. He's tracking back. He, he, he's getting stuck in. And it was good to see him on Tuesday night. It, it was him that got in the penalty area. A brilliant uh, pass from uh, Berry um, that got the penalty. And as he said in that interview, that, um, you know, he thought he was going to score. <laughs> So uh, we got the penalty and everything else, and 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 he, that right hand side looks a lot better. I mean, I know Craney's done all right when he's been there, but he hasn't got the pace that that Bree has. And uh, I think um, you know, with uh, that right hand side looks a lot better with Bree there. Uh, you know, whoever's in midfield in front of him. Um, the only thing I think really that uh, is missing from the team now is we could do with Glen Ray back. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, James. What have you made of James Bree? Um, interestingly, he's got a couple of assists, hasn't he, since he's come back? But I thought his best game in a Luton shirt, actually, not just his best game since restart. His best game in a Luton shirt came at Huddersfield, not for his assist from his corner, but his defensive play, and he seems to have improved beyond all recognition from the James Bree that we saw pre-lockdown in that defensive role. Yeah, he's a completely different player. It's almost like, uh, you know, Robert Johnson, the blues man scenario. He's gone to the crossroads to sell the soul to the devil so he can play guitar. But it's like he's gone away from lockdown. He's come down a completely different player. Uh, um, Yeah, he was played, he played the left back uh, quite a lot of the time by Graham Jones and it didn't go well. And he's a young player and he's knocked his confidence. but since he's been moved over to the right, he's been much better. He's been far more confident. He's uh, He does get up and down the wing a lot better, which gives Luton some more options that they didn't have before. Uh, he's on set pieces now, and his delivery is consistent, which is good. Um, you know, Luton have to make as much as they can out of set pieces um, in these games. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they have. They've made a lot out of it. You know, when they were piling balls in the box on Tuesday and just thought every time there's a chance here. Um, and, and that's what you've got to do. If you, can, if you can whip the ball in the box and you've got players who can add the ball in the team like Potts or Bradley or Collins, you've got a chance, haven't you? So, um, again, it's uh, a shrewd bit of management from Nathan Jones where he spotted that ability in him. And also a, a good bit of man management where you put your arm around him saying, this is what I don't think you're good enough at. Uh, work on those uh, and you'll get better. You know, and he has taken it on board that that's the right thing to do. Um, there's also a case to say as well that, you know, Nathan was a fullback himself. So it, that maybe that's no surprise that he got James Justin in and uh, Stacey in and made them uh, into the players they were because he knows that position. So 
um, is the case for that as well. But uh, I, I've been really impressed with, with, with James Bree. Um, and he, he said he went away and he worked on his fitness in his body uh, to get stronger. And you can definitely tell that as well. He's, he's not getting pushed off the ball or anything. And, um, you know, it's all, all credit to him. I mean, it, it's different. It's, sometimes we get that these lads are often, you know, early 20s. And you think about what you said, what you, you were like uh, when you're in your early 20s. To have that sort of level of maturity to go away and, uh, and say, right, I'm going to use this 10 weeks where I'm doing nothing to do nothing but work on myself and work on the game, study DVDs to see what I'm doing wrong and all these sorts of things. It's, um, it's a credit to, to what he's doing. And, and yeah, he's another one like, uh, um, like Cameron Carter Vickers. If Luton stay in that division, I'd love to see him stay. Um, is he going to get, right? He's not, I doubt he get the chance to stay at, uh, or play at Aston Villa. He'd be down the pecking order even though they'll be in the championship next season. Um, so so it'd be great, but he's going to stay up. <laughs> he's not going to play in league two. League two no, that's the thing. Do you see the Stacey comparisons? Uh, yeah. Um, Stacey didn't have, to, didn't have <laughs> Stacey didn't have to do a lot of defending, let's be honest, um, in league two. He was, he was more of a flying attacker, really. But... Uh, um, there's there's something there of the same ilk, um, and it is kind of. I mean, if Nathan Jones signed him, it wouldn't be so surprising because they'd be looking for players of that mould, wouldn't he? But he's the fact that he's been brought in by another manager wasn't that good. I didn't fancy him at all. I thought him and Luke Bolton were largely pointless for most of their tenure at, at the club. But he's he's turned that around, James Bree. Um, he. He looks a quality player. He looks like he looks a prospect, which is what probably Aston Villa thought they had, uh, and sent him out to get to get games. And he, he he wasn't doing it, but now he is. So, um, yeah, let, let's let's hope Luke's out, and let's hope they they can keep him. I'll convince him to come because uh, he could be another one. Yeah, let's hope uh, the form of all three players continue for at least another week, and hopefully um, beyond that. Okay, um, Tony, I'm sure it's not slipped your mind or passed you by that there's one hell of a relegation battle going on in the Championship this season. Uh, as of yet, here we are, two games left. Nobody's relegated, which is almost unheard of. Um, there are probably five sides that you would say are deep in, in the relegation mix and then three more who could yet still be reeled in, plus two more with points deductions to come. So we've got Barnsley on 43, Luton and Hull on 45 ahead of our game there on Saturday, Charlton on 47, Huddersfield 48. I think they're the five that are in it, but Birmingham, Middlesbrough and Stoke are on 50. Sheffield Wednesday will make a note of on 56 because at some point between now and the year 3020, they're going to get a points deduction. And um, Wigan on 57, who are due to get 12 points deducted at the end of the season. How do you see it? Obviously. We know, sitting here, that if we win both of our games, we stay up regardless of what anything what, what happens anywhere else, as long as Wigan do get their 12 points deducted. I think it's fair to say Barnsley are probably gone, but how else do you see it? It's so tight to call, Kev. It, it's so tight. I mean, we know what we've got to do to get out of it. Um, we've got to win both games. Um, simple as. But even, you know... 
Stoke still aren't safe. Birmingham aren't safe. You know, I think, you know, QPR, Reading, teams like that are, are, are safe. Um, I think Wigan will do enough to stay up. And unfortunately for them, they'll pick up the 12-point deduction next season, I think, rather than this season. Um, going on form, I, 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 I think we're going to do it. I think we'll get out of it. Um, famous last words, of course, and uh, I'm going to go and drink some holy water after this. Um, you know, I, I, do you know who I, I can see going? Hull, and I can see Charlton going as well. I think Huddersfield could probably do enough to stay there, but I, I, I don't know. It'll be Charlton or Hull or, or, or Huddersfield. I think Hull go. I mean, they're gone. If we beat them on Saturday, they're gone. You know, yeah, you're right. Barnsley are gone. Um, but with regarding the points deduction thing, I think uh, even when the games are finished, the, the season's not over, is it? Until uh, the playoffs are finished, and and even then, it's not finished because the season doesn't officially uh, finish until the league has its annual general meeting. So there's still plenty of time for these points deductions to come in and everything. And and uh, for a neutral. It's actually fascinating. You know, you can't call who's gone. And, and you're absolutely right. Normally by this time, there's at least one of them are dead and buried and they're gone and they're playing without any pressure and they do damage to the other side usually. But now it's just... <sighs> I don't think I've ever seen anything like this. You know, to, to, to have the bottom side. And in theory, Barnsley could still do it. Even I mean, it's, it, it's very, very unlikely... But they, they'd have to have every single other result go for them. But they're not exactly got a playing easy sides, are they? And it's the same with Charlton and with Hull. You know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? Um, you know, um, Tony's talking about Barnsley there. I mean, they've got Nottingham Forest and Brentford, I think it is, for their last two games. Um, so they, they might have used up all their points already. But James, I'll come to you. First of all, is this season going to be decided on the pitch? And secondly, if it is decided on the pitch, we've got a hell of a day on Saturday because we go to Hull and Charlton play Wigan on the same day. Uh, I'll, I'll let you answer the first question first, but then your thoughts on that on Saturday. Um, I think it will be decided on the pitch. I, I think Wigan have done themselves... Uh, really proud and got themselves out of any, or they will get themselves out of any danger um, this season, at least. Uh, I can't see them being dragged back into. They were in good form anyway. Um, to to get that points deduction, they've they've done well to maintain that, despite probably not getting paid and and and, and do so well. So. Um, I know there's some points deductions or we think there might be points deductions coming, but are they going to be any more than 12 points? Doubt it. There'll be single figures, I think, slapped on the wrist um, as you were. So I think uh, Luna are going to get any favours from that perspective, but at least they do have it in their own hands. I mean, it wasn't the case after the... Um, after the QPR game for 24 hours and, and until Jukovic scores that late goal against Charlton, wasn't in Newton's hands. So um, it's good that it is now, but then there's that expectation they've got to go and 
win. Uh, I think playing Hull after they've just been battered. There's 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 seven nils that that's a battering anyway, as we all know from Brentford. But that occurred over two halves. They got battered seven nil in one half of football, which is truly astonishing. Um, and they only lost the second half one nil, so they're gonna have a reaction. They they will know what's at stake. Same with Luton, they had a reaction after beat, losing seven nil. They're going to beat Wigan. So I don't think it's going to be uh, at all easy. I think it will be one goal here or there. But the away form gives me hope. Uh, they've, they've played really far better football, looked more dangerous uh, in away games, far more short. So I would like to think that they would get the result on Saturday at Hull. But the, the Blackburn one... Uh, <laughs> That's already making me nervous because yeah, Luton went up to Ewa Park and won, but but Luton were played off the park until Collins scored that goal. It could have been any score. But Rovers were really on it until Luton scored, and then they really didn't know what hit them, uh, and Luton eventually won it. So if you get that Blackburn that uh, have got nothing to play for, pressures off, there's no baying crowd at Kenilworth Road. Yeah, it's a worry that one, but <laughs> it won't matter. It won't matter really if uh, if Luton don't get a result at, at home. So um, I can see that they could do it, but I'm really, <laughs> really nervous about it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Tony, are you kind of sitting here thinking we have to win our last two to stay up, or do you think four points might be enough? I, I say that because. Huddersfield play West Brom on Friday night and then their last game's against Millwall who are going to need something if they're going to make the playoffs. I think they're two points off the playoffs mm. uh, as we sit here. So it's quite feasible that they don't get another point. Uh, obviously, if we've beaten Hull and then get another point, they can't then catch us. So could four points it, keep us up? It's so difficult to call. Um, yeah, <laughs> Depending, all depending upon other results, isn't it? I mean, and you can't guarantee it. I, I'd personally like us to see uh, us getting all six points. Uh, then we don't have to rely on anybody else. Uh, it's down to us. But knowing, as I said, Luton, they'll probably do it the harder way. They'll probably uh, draw on Saturday and then uh, need to beat um, Blackburn on 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 the Wednesday night. I, I just. I'd like to think four points would be enough, but I think we need to take six. We, you know, there's to be safe. I, I, I think we've got to take all six. It, it's no good relying on other results. Um, as I said earlier, football has a habit of biting you in the arse. Um, so I think you know we go for it and, and, and try and take six points, and then we're not relying on anybody else. Yeah, the, the, that's the uh, that's the obvious um, the obvious way out of this, uh, James. They say expect the unexpected in football, don't they? And I don't think anyone expected Wigan to be in administration at the start of this month. Um, that came right out of the blue. Uh, obviously, it has a major impact or could have a major impact on us. But actually, let's look at this from a football point of view rather than a Luton fans' point of view. I mean, what's gone on there just looks like a bit of a mess. 
No, well, nobody saw that coming. I think not least Wigan. But it's unbelievable that a club can change hands and four weeks later mm. it's an administration. For the administrator to come out and say, well, COVID's played a major impact is utterly bollocks to me. It, it, it would play a part if you bought them the week before COVID struck and nobody could see it. But we're three months into, two months at that time, into uh, the most a serious global pandemic that none of us has ever seen before. If you think that that's a, a usable excuse and you're living on a different planet as far as I'm concerned. But there's got to be uh, some sort of investigation into this. Mm-hmm. But um, you're already hearing the EFL say, well, it's very hard to do an investigation into this because it's, you know, international and if they don't want to speak to us and such and such. But that's the EFL's own making. They, some bloke they've never met before cannot be allowed to take over a football club. How is that possible? Nobody knows who this supposed guy is that um, bought, bought the club. There's a lot of rumour and conjecture to say it's just an alias for the bloke that already ran it and he's using it to palm off um, losses from his, from his other businesses. Now, however much, if that's true or not, I don't know. It's just purely conjecture at the moment. But you shouldn't be in a position where you have to suddenly become Interpol to go across international lines to investigate what's going on. Don't let these people buy football clubs in the first place. It's an absolutely shocking state of affairs. And um, for them to say anything other than we the following sentence, which is we are going to seriously look into changing our ways and our rules into football is just smoke and mirrors that gets around the, the, the actual problem, which is their own rules. They've allowed this, they've allowed it to happen. They've docked Wigan 12 points from their own failings. And the only people that suffer as ever with the administrations and bad owners are fans. It's an absolute joke. Mm. I, I totally agree with you, James. I mean, it, it's just shown the, uh, complete and utter farce that the uh, fit and proper test is um, absolutely ridiculous that somebody's taken over a club and four weeks later they've gone into administration you know the, the whole idea that being a fit and proper person is I, I thought you were supposed to show evidence that you have money to actually support the club for for a season at, at the very least yeah. uh, I, I, and this is crazy I, I personally think the EFL have, 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 have maybe the FA as well, I don't know, I've got the opportunity, well, somebody, somebody has come in and bought this club, um, great, uh, we're going to okay it, whatever, because it, it, it takes the problem off our hands. That's how I think they look at it, when in actual fact, all they're doing is kicking the can further down the road. You know, it, 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 it is time for some complete um, tough action, a complete overhaul of the game, you know, and, and again, you know, the, the, the financial fair play, you did that, it's just all lip service to it. And it, it, football is in such a financial mess, you know, and, and there's two, the majority of people that own football clubs, um, right from the Premier League, certainly down to the Championship, maybe even some League One clubs as well, 
their prime concern is not football. Their prime concern is making money. Mm-hmm. That's what it's about. It, 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 it's not about uh, the integrity of the game. It's not about supporters. It's not about communities. It's about bleeding the clubs and bleeding the game dry. Let's get as money as much out of this as we can. And then, you know, clear off, bugger off, you know. Uh, and, and that's absolutely disgraceful. And, and you know, you, a, a few of us could see this coming with the set out, setting up of the Premier League, all, all, all the bullshit about it's good for the national side. And, you know, uh, you could see how it, it was going with the advent of agents in the game. And, and all this goes back even further. To the to the day when uh, they decided that the home clubs keep all the gate money, you know that 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 is a travesty. You know you've got both teams that go and provide entertainment, so the away side should get a percentage of the gate. So it just meant again the rich gets richer and and the, and the poorer teams go by the wayside, and it does totally away with with competition in the game. It's not fair competition especially when you take into account parachute payments as well. Unfortunately, uh, some of the clubs come unstuck when they get relegated, even with the parachute payments, because they've been playing so much over the odds for players that they go through the trapdoor of uh, the championship into League One, and you get a situation like Sunderland. You know, uh, you've got it at Stoke now as well. They've, they've struggled this season, and they're, and they're lucky they get it doesn't look as if they're going to fall right through to, to League One. But it's happened to so many clubs. You know, at the top of my head, Portsmouth are another one. You know, struggling to get back to the level that they should be at. And and it all comes down to money. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it's, it's the usual thing. It, it, it's all, I, I look at it and I think there's very, very few that have got um, the best interest of the game at heart. And, and I think that's where... We're really lucky as a club, you know, in, in the owners that we've got. Yes, they want to make money out of it, and nobody, nobody denies them that because of what they've done for us. Uh, but at the end of the day, they do it properly. They're building slowly. And even if we go down this season, it's not the end of the world. We'll be back. Sorry, I've got on my high horse again and <laughs> give you another rant. <laughs> no, I agree with all of that, apart from when you said um, both teams uh, – Entertain a put on a show, uh, not when Wickham play us. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. You know, and, and in one sense, that's why I'm looking forward to next season and, and seeing the, the, the record low points in, in the championship. <laughs> um, I'll tell, tell you one thing, actually, just to stick on this point uh, about uh, Wigan that we've begun with. It really doesn't half put an even better light on Luton not wanting any sponsorship from betting companies. Mm. because yeah. um, they were run by a, a professional gambler and if those rumours about him um, flying yeah, off just, to himself and changing the name say that, yeah. uh, then you you wouldn't want uh, anything to do with um, bet, betting companies I mean obviously Luton's stance on it is, um, is a purer one where they don't want uh, kids to be influenced but once people that are only concerned with money get their claws in. It's the inevitable result, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, the rumour James is on about is uh, 
that their owner apparently had a nice wedge on them to get relegated, so decided to put them in administration to help the cause. Um, so how, how do we solve this moving forward then, chaps? I mean, what's the answer? More fan representation at board level? Bounty put up when... Um, that's definitely one thing at board level and also fan representation in the um at the fa i think there should be some of that and and, and certainly uh involved with the football league as well james you, would you go with that or bounty when um, a club's taken over you know they've got to put up i don't know two and a half million or whatever whatever the figure is just to prove that they've actually got money behind them yeah, well, I suppose that they could even go so further as just to meet the person that's going to take over the club, you know, meet that person face to face, prove he's a real person, uh, check his bank account. It's just such an absolute farce in this country. But you look at other countries that do it so much better in German football, where they've you know, got so much more fan representation. They look after the fans better from everything down to the, the, the price of a ticket, which is, can be a afforded by a working man to you know linking up with uh transport companies where you know your ticket gets you free travel to the game and stuff like that and everything about english football is about fleecing fans and not realizing that and it goes back to the point we were talking about earlier that football without fans is nothing mm. and the sooner that people in this country realize that i think we'd be in a lot better place uh, maybe not financially, but emotionally, I think people would be a lot more connected to the game. There's a reason why people get so irate and get so furious at players. It's that disconnect between their own lives and the lives of superstar footballers. It's just it's not the same thing. And um, I'm not saying that you should like let that tip over into outright abuse or racism or anything like that. Those things are abhorrent, but, you know, just to have, well, to the point where football isn't just this joyous thing anymore, it's just the thing that makes you furious. That's not how it should be. I agree with you, James, totally. You know, but unfortunately, it, it's not just um, in, fo- in football, you know, you seem to see that right across the board in everything. You know, you could look at other countries. Take, for example, the education system. Top education system in the world is rated to be Finland. So why don't the government send people over to Finland to see what they're doing? They'll say, we'll do what you're doing instead of coming up on their own. It's the same with football. The, the FA should and the Football League and the Premier League should be sending people over to Germany to talk to them, find out what they're doing, find out what they do in Italy, find out what they do in Spain, find out what they do in France. Um, Two won't. words for you, Tony. Um, and this um, pandemic has, has uh, shown a light on this quite perfectly, and that, uh, that's British exceptionalism. We yeah, always have you. and always will for unknown reasons. And to all evidence to the contrary, I think we're better than everyone else. Mm. And the, the, the minute we just went and had a bit more humility about us and had a look at what's working in whatever aspect it is, whether it's football or, like you say, education, politics, whatever, mm. then I think we'd be better off as a country. Mm. You mentioned um, just then, James, about 
football being about fleecing fans. I mean, popped up on my Twitter timeline today, Kings Lynn Town are going to uh, have their first season uh, in the conference next season. £380 for a season ticket mm-hmm. at conference level. Now, hopefully, Luton stay in the championship. And if you've had a season ticket for five years or more, you're getting a season ticket at second-tier football for £400, a mere £20 difference. I mean, there's your example, isn't it? 380 quid. It's only six years ago we were watching conference football, and it is not worth 380 quid. <laughs> well, exactly, isn't it? And, uh, you know, if Kings Lynn fans are gullible enough to want to pay that for that standard Stupid football... Stupid enough to want to pay him. You know, maybe they will, because it's a novelty. Like you say, it's the first time they've been in the conference, but they'll quickly learn that it is yeah, and it isn't. It isn't worth that. Um, you know, I, I I didn't know that. I don't know anything about the inner workings of Kings Lynn. I probably struggle to point it out on a map, but <laughs> um, it just yeah, it just reeks of uh, trying to you know put your hand further into fans' pockets. Yeah, it's not far from Norwich. Twenty five pound a game if you want to go and watch uh, the odd game. Um, Tony, we didn't have it down on the agenda that I read out at the start of the game, but James just mentioned it there, and it's absolutely important to bring it out. The um, kneeling before a game that the players have been doing uh, earlier on in the restart for the Black Lives Matter, the powerful message that that sends, particularly at our club, where we've got an esteemed and deep history of um, black players, black coaches, black managers... Uh, that is absolutely the right thing for football to be doing. Is that right? Um, but, but basically, what, what what they're doing is they're just showing support and and solidarity. And you know, if people want to, and uh, 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 they, well, I haven't got a a, a, a problem with that. Um, I think uh, you know, you're, you're, Izzy Brown seems to be the first one down on his knee. Well, that's fair enough. You know, it, it, it it's. It's a worthwhile thing, and, and, but I think a lot of people, um, rightly or wrongly, are, are getting it out of context. I mean, some people, you know, when they say all lives matter, and all, you know, they're missing the point. Um, the whole Black Lives Matter thing is not, they're not saying that only Black Lives Matter and nobody else matters. Um, they're basically saying Black Lives Matter as well as everybody else's. Uh, and it's certainly given uh, a, a large fraction of um, people grounds to reinforce their prejudices and beliefs uh, as much as being a positive force for it. And, and I, I think that the Black Lives Matter campaign, when it first started up, they could have circumvented a lot of this by just putting a simple word on the end of it, by just saying Black Lives Matter too. You know, which which has stopped a lot a lot of this. But I I, I think um, you know there's nothing wrong with them doing it, and fair play to them for showing solidarity and support for different things. Um, you know, it, I don't think there's any players that have refused to do it. Um, you know, unlike uh, if you look at the American thing with uh, American football when uh, it was Casperlet started doing it and they started oh it's a disgrace he shouldn't play for his team and everything you know because he he won't stand up for the flag well you know look if you're that patriotic and you wanted to respect the flag surely you would kneel in front of it you know but um 
I don't know if they want to do it. That, that, that's fine. I haven't got a, 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 a problem with it. And if they want to carry on doing it, you know, let them do it. James, you was at the Preston game when it first happened. Uh, how powerful did it look from um, the press box? And what's your thoughts on, on the message? Oh, yeah, really powerful. Um, you know, I, I, I tend to um, find myself support on the, the supporting side of the underdog uh, all the time. And, and um, unfortunately, in, in this instance, black people are the underdog. And um, it shouldn't, it shouldn't, we, I can't believe we're in the year 2020 and we uh, still have people that think they're su- more superior to another person just because the lack of mel- melanin in their skin is, uh, is, is unbelievable to me. And, um, and it always seems to be a lack of education um, and a lack of understanding of history as well. Um, they, they'll, they'll, they'll cut off their understanding at an arbitrary point in time to prove their ridiculous point of view. Whereas if you just take the whole of human history in its entirety, scientifically been proven that the human race was started uh, it originated in the Rift Valley in Ethiopia so at one point in time we were all black and it's just the human migration to colder parts of the world where we've not needed uh, that pigment in our skin and so um, you've got white people so if you want to look at it in that regard the white people are the, 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 the mutated versions really so it's a have this ingrained belief, um, and it is a political belief from um, hundreds of thousands of years ago, uh, hundreds and thousands of years ago, I should say, sorry, not hundreds of thousands, um, that was f- fueled to bring about power for, for nations to, you know, enslave one type of people um, for political and power gains. And I think it's highly uh, right that um, uh, people should choose all the platform that they have and football players do have that platform uh, to say that that's not right. We we can't progress as a society and a civilization if uh, there are certain people in this world that think purely on the colour of your skin, you're better or worse rather than what you do or the content of your character. So um, I'm all for it. And I think, uh, you know, while we've been digging out the EFL uh, and the FA at certain points in this podcast, is one of the few things they have got right is to allow this protest uh, to take place and not find people left, right and centre. Now, if they could just take that um, and let people take their shirts off when they score or, um, you know, any sort of, uh, protest that they want on an undershirt and not find people as well, that would go some way to proving they're normal human beings as well, not just um, robots that are protecting some perce- some perceived brand. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I'm all for it. Uh, and I hope that it um, sparks made a change. The, the one thing that I would say about it that uh, in the early days, I heard a lot of detractors saying, well, it's not the right way to go about it. Well, what is? You know, revolutions aren't won by being nice and playing by the rules. Um, so you've got to do things that stick out. And uh, you usually find it's the uh, the ruling or established 
um, classes or societies that don't like it. And, you know, I've got no problems for saying, get it up, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we touched, we, we did a whole podcast on racism, didn't we, last season uh, after the um, accusations that were thrown at us as a fan base after the Accrington game. We made it perfectly clear that racism is not tolerable as a Luton fan base and in football then. And that still remains the case now. So the players have all of our support in their uh, ongoing fight with that. I don't know about you two chaps, but all this relegation battle talk is making me mighty nervous for the two games ahead. So um, let's uh, let's look back at sort of previous relegation battles and sort of remind ourselves just what is possible. Because actually, Tony, if you're of a certain vintage, if you're a Luton fan that was going to games in the 80s, in the 90s, relegation battles were to a penny, weren't they? They were every other season uh, with... Uh, either t- we were either going for um, the second division title, or we were looking to stay in the first division. Mm. And um, it's it's very similar to the modern day. I mean, the most famous one is eighty two, eighty three, isn't it? We touched on that in a previous yeah. podcast during lockdown. Um, you know, final day decider. It's looking like this season we're going to go down to a final day to decider. Whatever happens on Saturday. Um, we went to Man City, we had to win. Man City had the draw on their side. It was winner takes all and we won. It is possible. Yeah, sorry, Kev. Um, yeah, it is possible. I mean, that that um, particular relegation season, I mean, it looked like a lost cause because the, the weekend before we'd been beaten 5-1 at home by Everton. We'd... Uh, We'd been beaten midweek, 3-0 at Manchester United. And then basically it was between us and Manchester City who got relegated. They needed a point from the game. We had to win. And it just shows you that sometimes it can work out for the best. You know, we went up there. We played a great game. We turned them over and uh, had a right battle <laughs> at, the, at the final whistle, but it all worked out. But I was going to say, I can do you one better. I can go back to 74-75 when we were in the old first division, now the Premier League, and uh, we didn't really play up until Christmas. And then after Christmas, we had a brilliant record. And uh, we, uh, again, funny enough, we were, our last game, I think, was Manchester City at home, and we had to win, and we drew 1-1. Then we had to rely upon uh, Leeds winning at Tottenham. Um, and uh, a few of us went down to watch it because in those days you could just turn up at a match and pay to go in, no problem at all. So we went down to watch it and it's got to be the most abject performance I'd ever seen from that Leeds side who were a really good side. And uh, I think that's been was admitted later in the day by um, Billy Bremner uh, that uh, Leeds basically said, here you go, Tottenham, you stay up. Um, so we, we've never forgiven Leeds for that. Um, yeah, and then all the way through, the, the back end of the 80s, we were uh, fighting one relegation fight after another. Um, we'd... Uh, the, the particular one that nine, in, in, in 1990, that we had to win our last three games to stay up and uh, we did it um, it looked like Sheffield Wednesday were going to want to be safe 
Um, we had to beat Arsenal and Crystal Palace at home, and then we had to win at Derby County. And uh, we knew, well, I, I knew it was going to be a good day for us because, you know, after two minutes, you you had that screamer from Tim Baker where Shilton never even moved. And uh, even when Derby came back to 2-2, um, I I never thought that we, we, we wouldn't win it um, because we deserved it. We played so well. And, of course, if if you wanted uh, another team to uh, beat for, uh, beat Wednesday for you, which is what we needed, um, you couldn't, you wouldn't want any other side than not uh, than uh, Brian Clough, Nottingham Forest, who went up to Sheffield Wednesday and did a job on them for us, beating three 0 So we stayed up. So I, I remember all three of those campaigns really well. Um, yeah, 1990 actually could have an awful uh, kind of significance on this one, couldn't it? Because like you say, six points behind with three games to go. I mean, we weren't in too dissimilar a position this season. So if we could get out of it then, we can definitely get out of it now. But I mean, I guess the, the other one that most Luton fans will remember is the following season, isn't it? 1991. Now, we've spoken to Mick about this, uh, both on the podcast and privately haven't we about whether his own goal was deliberate whether it wasn't deliberate but either way it kept us in the division um was it Sunderland got relegated at um our expense when they lost that day we beat Derby 2-0 Mick scored no goal uh, yeah it was Derby and uh if I remember I think it was um Sunderland who'd gone up the season before when uh Swindon were put down and there you go going back to uh, punishments and things Swindon got relegated two divisions and Tottenham got a slap on the wrist for exactly the same offence um, but you know I'm going back over stuff it, but but yeah it was Mick's own goal I don't think he meant it despite what he says I don't think he meant it he was too much of a professional for that Mick um, the worst one for me I think was the following season 92 yeah, it did. It, it 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 went down to the final game again, didn't it? And, uh, and we and, had to win at Notts County to stay up. And um, I, I, yeah, I, I think that's the worst season I've ever seen Luton for giving away last minute goals. I mean, we we were within sort of a minute of winning at Anfield. Um, we were within a minute of winning at Nottingham Forest, uh, and we we were conceding last minute goals, and it, it was just. Um, I think at the game at Anfield, I think we were winning 1-0 with 10 minutes to go and uh, Liverpool scored twice in the last few minutes. Um, and, and, and that's what it was like for us. We, 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 it wasn't until about a third of the way through the following season that we actually managed to win an away game at Wimbledon with a hotly disputed free kick that David Priest touched to himself. <laughs> Should have been taken again, but we scored from it. So, you know... Um, but, Happy days. Yeah. But, I mean, all the other relegations since um, that one in 92 have all been sort of financially implicated or um, points deductions or things like that. But, you know, for those of you that are getting nervous uh, about what the next week might hold, there's three great escapes that we've performed successfully. So um, it is possible. James, welcome back. Um, as mm-hmm. time would have it for you to disappear when we were reminiscing about the past isn't a bad one because your memory wouldn't have allowed us to do any of that anyway. (laughs) But we can look ahead to the future, uh, and that is the last two games. Um, 
I don't think it's over-egging the pot to say that Saturday's game is the biggest game Luton Town have had back in the Football League since since the all the conference playoffs and all of that. You touched on it earlier, but let's get in a kind of an official thought. Hull losing 8-0 on Tuesday night. Does that make them more likely to get a performance out of them against us or less likely? And with that, are you more concerned that we may not win on Saturday or do you think Hull are done now? Let's go and beat them. I was laughing all the way to half-time uh, watching those goals go in. And then at half-time, I had a little sit, sit and think and I thought, uh, bugger. <laughs> I just thought they, they, they're not going to do that again. They're going to get such a roasting uh, from the manager, from the fans, um, that that can't happen again. I think it's probably the worst time from, uh, before you play a team of such uh, and a game of such magnitude then to take an absolute hammer in like that. So I am a bit concerned that uh, that they are not going to just they're not going to be a pushover. Well, they wouldn't have, they wouldn't be anyway. I wouldn't have thought. But my one consoling thought is that if it wasn't for Krasicki and Bowen who are no longer there, they wouldn't have got anything at Kenwood Road either. And Luton, I think, are probably playing better at the moment than they were back then. So uh, that, from what I understand, is the chief reason why they are performing so badly because those two ones have got the goals. Um, so as long as Cameron Carter-Vickers can inspire a sort of defensive display, then I fancy that Luton can nick one. They've not, you know, apart from Reading, not really been shut out yet, have they? They've created chances. So um, uh, I'm I'm nervously hopeful. Someone asked Nathan in the press conference today, didn't they, about um, whether it was a bad thing that Hull lost eight. Am I right? I don't know if it was mm. you. I've not watched it yet. It's the kind of question that you would ask, I know. But um, what what was his reaction? Um, of a similar sort of uh, thing, he doesn't. Is I think any person that's watched football for long enough would uh, be wary about a team that's just been battered so much. There's got to be a reaction. Um, but saying that, Hull have been dropping like a stone, haven't they, since, since the January transfer window and maybe the players just think the jig is up or there maybe there's something really rotten to the core at the club level and things aren't going so well and uh, you know, I was impressed by Wigan when Luton went up there just before lockdown, but I didn't think that they could beat a team 8 0 in this division. So something's got to be wrong. You just got to hope that it continues to be wrong till about, you know, 5 30 on Saturday. Yeah, indeed. I guess then, Tony, the first goal on Saturday is going to be absolutely paramount, isn't it? Because uh, if we get it, you know, Tuesday night shows that they might crumble. Yeah, I, I think Hull's, you know, heads will drop if we get the first goal. Um, but I, I think they're probably going to come out fighting. They'll want to put it right. But, you know, they're, they're under just as much pressure as we are. Um, that 8-0 defeat, you, you, you can think their fans are going to be all over that as well. Um, 
So it, it, it's not going to be rosy in that club's dressing room at the moment. And uh, it's very hard when, when you're on a downward trend and things are not going your way. It, 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 it's very hard to turn things around. Um, I just hope that we are on the top of our game on Saturday and we put another shift in like we did at Leeds, Swansea and Huddersfield. Um, we can keep it going. Um Again, as I said earlier, it's in our own hands. We just need to pick up the points. Confident that we'll win? Oh, I'm never confident about anything in football, Kev. Um, I'm hoping we can win. Um, I don't see any reason why we can't pick up a win there. But again, it, it just depends. You know, if, if the same Luton team turn up that um, turned up at home to Reading, then no, we won't. But as I said, if it's the same club that's played in our previous away matches, then I'll have no problem. No worries. And then, James, it comes down to next Wednesday, uh, Blackburn at home, last game of the season. There's going to be something on it, whatever happens. Uh, it may well be that we need to win the game. Does that concern you? The home form going into that, is that is that a concern? Or is it literally 45 games are out the window now? 90 minutes to save your skin, give the best you've got, and that'll be good enough. Um, I think it depends what Rovers turn up, really. Uh, they have got nothing to play for. Uh, they, they, you know, the, the, the thing that we were expecting of Reading um, was that they were of the same. They, they just about survived um it's great when they've got nothing to play for and their their fan podcast their fan podcast the day before released a 45 minute blank episode because they said that their players haven't been turning up so why should they which i thought was quite funny but mm-hmm. then the minute i saw it i thought oh for goodness sake somebody's somebody that's all you need is a match uh, uh, preparation as a team talk doesn't it to say this is what the fans think go and do something so it's so difficult to know uh, what Rovers will turn up but the only experience I've got of Blackburn Rovers like I said earlier is when uh, Luton played them at Ewa Park earlier in the season and I thought they were really impressive and I feared for Luton but somehow Luton got a result now if they want to do that again and it's the same outcome be more than happy but it won't half make it tense and nervous and anxiety inducing so um yeah i'd uh, i'd much prefer it if luton could uh give him a tonkin <laughs> and get it done by half time seven nil at half time that'd be nice wouldn't it and then you know you're up and i'll uh, take five james i'll take five and, yeah, and I'll take five and then I can go and celebrate with Robocop or wherever else's cardboard cutout is in the stands. <laughs> yeah, I must admit, um, if we need if we need to win that game to stay up, if we score early in that game, my life expectancy is going to diminish watching us hold on and wait for the inevitable to, um, to happen, that's for sure. Tony, we've done the double over Huddersfield. Are we going to do the double over Blackburn? We've got to. As far as I'm concerned, we've got to. But having said that, um, depending upon what happens Saturday, we'll have a clearer picture. We might just need a point. But again, I want us to get a win. I think we're quite capable of doing a double over Blackburn. 
especially if it's all done and dusted and they can't they can't do anything you know um you know it's very easy to say a team have got no pressure on them to go out and, and they can can perform but whether the players really want to do that or not i don't know but I think we can do it. You know, we've got to get another double from somewhere, haven't we? Absolutely, we have. Yeah, it's going to be a nervy week, but hopefully, it's going to be a positive week. Uh, we'll finish off this podcast um, by getting the chaps to um, do a bit of thinking. Uh, COVID has put paid to our player of the season presentation evening in um, official form, but the awards are still going to be handed out at the end of the season. There'll be more details on that to follow after the season ends. Uh, but one of the awards that will be dished out is the Player of the Season. Uh, James, I'll come to you. Who is your Player of the Season? I'm going to go for Glenn Ray. And he hasn't played for most of the season, but he's made such a big difference when he's come back in so much more solid. Um, they seem more determined. He's more of a le- uh, leader, rallies the players around him, uh, Teammates have said that about him in post-match interviews. That he does that. He does the simple things well, and it's uh, it just it gave a bit more protect, protection to the back four when they were you know wobbling. Um, it's no surprise that I think Simon Slug has been better uh, since he's come in, um, and you just wonder what could have been if he'd have been there for for the whole time. I think he's it's incredibly underrated player he was doing the same sort of thing last season till he got injured but luckily Luton had um, Macca to come in and, uh, and fill those boots uh, I, I, and, and it's the same sort of thing now because he's, he's not been playing for the last four games and every press conference starts with well how's Glenn Ray doing <laughs> because he is that important so um you know, if there are other categories that I'd give awards to some people. So, you know, most improved player, I'd give that to Harry Cornick, uh, you know, even despite some of the misses because, um, you know, he's not a natural born goal scorer. But in terms of barely put a foot wrong overall influence, yes, he's played not that many games, but Glenn Ray for me. Yeah, we're on the same sort of thought line, uh, albeit with different players, uh, I must say. Uh, just before I get Tony's player of the season, uh, I know you've only sampled, what is it, 17 or 18 uh, press box foods, but uh, which away ground's done the best grub for you? Bristol City. It was amazing. <laughs> At least you had something <laughs> that day then. <laughs> yeah, it was a terrible uh, game of football. Um, and uh, yeah, Luke Bolton got Luke Bolton. I'll get home first half, but uh, uh, <laughs> for some bizarre reason, the media entrance was more glitzy and glamorous than the player entrance. So I was, I was definitely having that. And then the, the food was very nice. Lovely stuff. Um, Tony, it's been a different season to the ones that we've been used to for the last 10, really. Uh, much more of a scrap for survival rather than steamrolling everyone. Who stood out for you as your player of the season, though? It's a difficult one, Kev. It, it, you know, the, you can't look at the players there and think there's been one individual that's been overall outstanding this season. I agree um, with what James has said about Glenn Rice. He, he, his influence and everything is uh, has been 
has been good. Um, again, I think Harry Cornick, uh, the misses aside, I think he, he stepped up and he's improved his game and he, he, he looks a much better player. Um, but honestly, for me, um, I'm going to go for James Collins. And the reason I'm going to go for James Collins is because it wasn't that long ago where people were saying, well, he's, he's four goals in League Two. He can't do it in League One. He proved them wrong. He's come up to the Championship and he has looked the part for us. I mean, OK, he, he hasn't banged in as many as he did last season, but he's proved he can score in the Championship. And, you know, every game, it might not be going right for him, and, and it might, but every single game you get 100% out of collar. You know, he puts the effort in. He won't let you down. Um, so overall, I think it, it's got to be Colo for me. Yep, fair enough. Uh, time will tell on my player of the season. But if um, we reconvene in two or three weeks' time to reflect on the season as a whole, if Luton Town is still a championship side, Cameron Carter Vickers is my player of the season uh, for the impact he's made. Uh, I must say, though, up until lockdown, Pelly Rudakampanzu was a heads and shoulders above anyone else for my player of the season. I, did, I didn't think we could go for lone players, uh, Kev. I, know, I, I think agree with Pelly. You know, I think he's got... Isn't it, Pelly's made the most appearance out of the outfield players, I think. I think you're right, yeah. I think he only missed eight minutes, didn't he, against... Uh, he came off in one of the games. Was it the 5-0 one against Reading? Um, yeah. Until Matty Kisson's injury... Um, He's probably overtaken him. Uh, he also made his 250th appearance, didn't he, on Tuesday yeah. night, which we've um, neglected to cover. A massive achievement for someone who is still only in his mid-20s, let's not forget. Mm. Um, he would have been head and shoulders my player of the season, but if Luton stay up, Luton are staying in the Championship because Cameron Carter-Vickers arrived at the right time. So uh, he will be my player of the season. Chaps, it's been good. It's been great debate on a wide range of subjects. Um, hey, there's two games to go. And uh, let's hope when we reconvene next and we look back on the season that we are celebrating yet another great escape. Um, I'm, not, I'm not even going to say enjoy the next two games because it's not possible. None of us are going <laughs> to enjoy any minute of the next two games. But let's hope we enjoy the final whistle of the second game. And uh, until next time. Mm. I don't think I'll have any fingernails left by... Uh, uh, my, mine mine went off at least. Uh, I don't, I don't know how you still got any. <laughs> <laughs> uh, James, if you're going to both games, enjoy both of those. Uh, Tony will enjoy Simon's tones on iFollow. And yep. um, until next time, thanks for listening. Yeah, great, guys. Take care. Cheers, fellas. Bye-bye.